CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Glad to have all of you with us as we begin another week on the show. Um, For the next two weeks, uh, we will be devoting a good deal of our time on Political Rewind to covering the two national political conventions, starting, of course, tonight when the Democrats convene online, uh, largely. Uh, We'll spend the next four days talking with panels about the convention, the themes, the speakers, Uh, and the issues that are important to them. Uh, We'll also hear some Republican voices this week. And next week, we will cover, uh, in the same way, the Republican National Convention to make sure that uh, we are giving you both sides of the uh, story as we approach Election Day, November 3rd. We have a great panel of delegates and others here today. Beginning, well, first, let me introduce my Monday and Friday partner, Jim Galloway, the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Jim, I, you know, I don't know about you. I have always loved covering conventions. This would have been my 11th one. But I must say I'm getting to the age where I'm just as glad I get to do it all from home this time. How about you? Well, I will not miss the, the security lines the 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 yeah. mass the the early get up and wait for for two or three hours yeah. the 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 oh there's just the terrible noise in the convention hall but i, I gotta say i gotta say yeah. i'm gonna miss the people watching and the excitement that they generate yeah yeah i do have to say that some of what you just said confirms for me that you are getting old also and don't want a lot of the excitement around the convention. Thank you for being with us today. We're also joined by a what we used to call super delegates in the Democratic Party. I guess we don't call you that anymore, Mayor Hardy Davis of Augusta, uh, because that term became contentious during the uh, 2016 election when Bernie Sanders felt that uh, Hillary Clinton's superdelegates were tilting the balance in her favor. So they don't call you that anymore, do they, Mayor? No, they don't call us that anymore. But those of us who've been around a long time, <laughs> we still understand the process. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being Good here to be as well. Here. Good uh, to be here with you guys. Uh, Representative Beth Moore of Peachtree Corners is with us. She, too, is a delegate to the uh, Democratic Convention. Um, Beth, would this this have been your first uh, convention? I don't really know if you've done a convention in the past. Good morning, everyone. No, this is my very first convention. I wasn't even really involved in Democratic politics much prior to 2018, so I feel very fortunate that they've welcomed me in as a delegate. Well, we're thankful that you're here with us today, and we're joined by our good friend Theron Johnson, who, in addition to being the founder and CEO of Paramount Consulting, a government relations communications firm, is also senior advisor to the uh, Joe Biden campaign here in Georgia. Theron, you ready for a good week with the Democratic Party? I am ready. This is going to be very exciting, and so it's a uh... Really interesting to hear you and Jim talk about your history in attending conventions. And so (laughs) definitely um, this will be an unconventional way to enter a convention, but we're excited. 
It'll be very different. I do think I'd be remiss, Mayor Davis, if I didn't start the show, though, before we talk about the convention, uh, by asking you about the fact that Governor Kemp, uh, over uh, the last few days, has relented in terms of his his resistance to allowing local municipalities to establish mask mandates. His latest emergency order does, in fact, give cities the right to establish mask mandates, something that you had done in Augusta. And like many of your fellow mayors, both Democrats and Republicans, you'd been rather critical of the governor for refusing to order a mask mandate statewide. Uh, Has he finally done the right thing here from your point of view, Mayor Davis? Thanks, Bill. I think the governor has uh, taken a good step forward, and, and I think we all appreciate that. Uh, I want to be cautious, though, in terms of uh, suggesting that the governor has promulgated authority over to us that we, uh, by the legislature, already have. And that's a critical point. Uh, But this is a step uh, in the right direction. Uh, We, as local leaders, are the ones who are closest to the ground. Uh, We're on the battlefield every single day, and we see what's taking place. And so, uh, again, we're going to continue to lead in our cities. Uh, We want to work with Governor Kemp in every way possible uh, to slow the spread of the virus and Again, uh, I'm sure that all of us across the state appreciate uh, the governor taking this step forward. Jim, there was something of a tell in the governor's latest emergency order. And by that, I mean, many of us have questioned for a while, why didn't he want to have a mandate statewide when when public health officials repeatedly said it was the right thing to do? And, And what I mean by a tell is he's now said that cities can, in fact, establish mask mandates, but they have to have permission and the approval of the individual businesses before those businesses will also be involved. And I I think that tells us what we've wondered for a while, which is Governor Kemp has been most concerned about making sure that he doesn't see government interfering with the free flow of business activity in the state. Right, but when you say that that cities and 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 local other local governments can can mandate masks in 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 public spaces, just think about that. That's a that's a huge thing. That's sidewalks. That's 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 streets. That's that's parks. Uh, that's every government building around. Uh, so that's that's rather expensive. And and I would say that you have a lot of businesses who were who want a mask mandate. From 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 the city or the state, they don't care which one is, but they want to be able to they want to be able to require masks in their their businesses. I mean, like the Kroger, the Kroger I go to, the Lowe's I go to do the same, but they they want to have the imprimatur of 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 government to say, look, this is their this is this is their doing here. Yeah, Jim, I think you're absolutely right, but I think what's most important here is that. Uh, and local governments, we regulate businesses, we provide licenses, we provide permits. Those are things that are native to uh, these creations of the legislature called local governments. We've got municipal charters. And so, uh, once again, uh, we want to certainly work with the governor. Uh, I think on the uh, beginning of the DNC convention, this is an important topic. It's one that, again, uh, we're excited that Vice President Biden and uh, Senator Kamala Harris are going to take on they're going to lead in this conversation and, more importantly, have a real plan of action in terms of how they will address the issues surrounding COVID and the lack of response that we've seen already from the federal government and certainly the challenges that we've had here in the state of Georgia. So I, I think, once again, I want to applaud the governor for taking this step forward. Uh, healthcare professionals all across the state, some 2,000 
individuals have said, we need these things in place. What I'm telling folks consistently is wear a mask, wash your hands, watch your distance. If we do the three W's and if we were able to do that across the entire state of Georgia, uh, we certainly could be in a better place. Theron, do you imagine, I mean, clearly COVID-19 and the way in which the president and Republican governors in any number of states have dealt with it is going to be an issue that uh, uh, Democrats will emphasize in uh, the convention over the days ahead. In fact, it may be, I would speculate, one of the most important themes we'll hear, uh, Theron. Listen, it's this new term that I keep hearing a lot, Bill, and that is pandemic politics. And every single elected official, particularly our great mayors like Mayor Hardy Davis down in Augusta, are going to be judged by the voters on how did you handle this pandemic? Um, How did you get us back to work? How did you keep us safe? And more importantly, how did you uh, lead in making sure that we put in sort of preventive measures to not uh, create more of the spread of the virus? And so not only are you going to hear it at the convention, I believe that every single elected official from the governor all the way down, when it comes time to vote in November and definitely next year, I believe that pandemic politics is going to be paramount in voters' minds because this is a long way from over. And I think that ultimately we're going to have to continue to come together uh, as leaders in our communities to try to really decrease this spread. Um. So, Beth Moore, in terms of coronavirus, it's interesting. Uh, CNN released its latest poll yesterday. Most of the attention uh, of, of that poll focused on the fact that they saw, they see in their polling, the race between uh, President Trump and uh, former Vice President Biden tightening considerably. Although I should say uh, polls from NBC, other news organizations right now still show a double-digit uh, gap nationwide. But, but, but Beth Moore, here's one of the things that I thought was interesting. Um, although Democrats rate, uh, if you break down the crosstabs, Democrats rate handling of the coronavirus and concerns about the coronavirus very high, they're already in the Biden court camp, most likely. But overall, Only 27% of the people who responded to the CNN poll uh, said it was the top issue. They put issues like the economy where they give uh, credit to Trump. They have him with a 10-point edge over Joe Biden on the economy. So it's going to be interesting to see just how important, if the CNN poll has any validity, uh, it suggests the coronavirus may not be as significant to the general voter as it is to Democrats, Beth. I think the coronavirus pandemic response and the economy are tightly linked. Uh, there's a direct correlation there. You know, we're, we're in the midst of an economic downturn right now, as well as record high unemployment rates. And these two things are directly linked. Um, you know, a, a country or a state's failure to control the coronavirus pandemic is going to lead to less economic prosperity. And we're seeing that happen in Georgia right now. You know, as a state legislator, our number one job is to balance the budget and to allocate financial resources where they're needed all over the state. And we took a really big hit this year. And, you know, I think Governor Kemp did a good job at first taking the pandemic seriously, making sure that we had backup medical beds where needed. But right now he's failing and we have not controlled the pandemic and businesses are suffering as a result. That's why more people don't feel comfortable going out shopping or going to restaurants or, you know, going to their downtown areas. 
you know, when we solve the pandemic, we will solve the economic crisis. All right. Um, why don't we talk about what's on tap on this first night of the Democratic Convention, um, which, by the way, you're going to be able to watch on, on many, many platforms. The networks are going to carry just the, the hour from 10 to 11, where the real primetime speakers will be uh, making their remarks. Uh, PBS is going to start its coverage at 8 o'clock and uh, uh, will carry it all the way through the evening. But there are many online platforms. Sam Burmis Dawes, our producer, who I imagine spends way too much time playing Call of Duty, uh, just informed me that you can watch it on PlayStation's streaming channel if you want to. So <laughs> it'll be available everywhere. Uh, so let's talk a bit about what we th- what the Democrats are going to have in store for us tonight. Uh, Jim, uh, it's important, of course, that Bernie Sanders has a key spot on the program tonight uh, as the Democrats attempt to show that they really are listening to what the most liberal wing of the party has to say and are giving uh, him that platform. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. And but uh, and, and, and he'll be I, I think he's going to be the final speaker. He'll be preceded by Michelle Obama. Yeah. Uh, which I think is is, right. is is very very important. Then you've got then you've got James Clyburn, uh, you got Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. You've got Doug Jones of Alabama, the most vulnerable uh, uh, U.S. senator uh, that Democrats have. Uh, you have John Kasich, and we have uh, the the former uh, governor of Ohio, who will who will no doubt uh, bring up uh, echoes of Zell Miller's uh, appearance at the 2004 yeah. GOP campaign. Amy Klobuchar. So you've got you've got this you've got this uh, a, a, a nice a nice uh, 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 kind of string of speakers. Location is going to be very very interesting. People are uh, Republicans have already started to do it for next week, but uh, people like Clyburn. Clyburn is going to be on on a rooftop of a building that sits right across uh, from a Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where nine parishioners. Were, were were massacred back back in 2015 by a by a by a white racist, and uh, it curiously that the Post and Curi- uh, Courier newspaper uh, pointed out that this will be the first Democratic convention speech since 1860 in Charleston, uh, when the Democratic Party was something wow. very very different. Wow. Let me let's break down. Let's unpack some of the speakers as we move forward. And I I mentioned Bernie Sanders, but we don't have to start with Bernie Sanders. Um, Mayor Davis, I'd be interested uh, in talking with you about your uh, neighbor. You're right there at the South Carolina border. Jim Clyburn played such a crucial role in Joe Biden winning the Democratic nomination when he endorsed him in South Carolina at a time when the Biden campaign truly was on the ropes. He came around. He gave a very compelling endorsement, and and it's he's credited with reviving the campaign and and helping carry Joe Biden across the finish line, Mayor. Yeah, he is. I, I think when you think about uh, Representative Clyburn and what uh, he means to not only South Carolina but what he means to Congress, uh, he's held a leadership post, uh, the number three person in the House of Representatives for some time. Now that the Democrats are in the majority. Uh, he plays a very vital role uh, in terms of this election. I remember vividly, and I'm sure Theron remembers this as well, we were there in Charleston uh, at the debate, 
and we all were just hedging that we knew what was going to happen uh, with uh, the debate, post the debate, that Representative Clyron was likely going to be endorsing uh, VP Biden. When that happened, we knew at that point game was on in terms of uh, the election. But I think what, what's telling about this is really what the Democrats have done. Uh, what we've done after the announcement of Senator Kamala Harris as uh, VP candidate, uh, it just simply raised the bar and really sent shockwaves throughout the country in terms of the ticket, uh, the energy, brought the energy and excitement that we were all anticipating. And I think when you look at speakers like Representative Clyburn, my neighbor across the uh, bridge here in uh, South Carolina, and even Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, who's a phenomenal speaker, uh, I've been in several settings with her. Uh, you've got Gretchen Whitmer, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I think we've got a phenomenal lineup on day one that will set the tone to include uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama. It's going to be an incredible con uh, convention, and we're kicking it off, in my mind, the right way. Theron, uh, when, in fact, uh, Representative Clyburn endorsed Joe Biden, one of the things he said was this, and I'm quoting, I am fearful for the future of this country. I'm fearful for my daughters and their future and their children and their children's future. And he went on to say that's why he was endorsing Joe Biden for uh, president. So he's a, an incredibly important uh, uh, person in the Democratic Party and certainly to the Joe Biden campaign. Yeah, he's, he's extremely essential, uh, not only to the victory of Joe Biden winning South Carolina, but quite frankly, as Mayor Davis mentioned, I mean, that was a pivotal point in the, in the campaign. I mean, if Congressman Clyburn had not endorsed Joe Biden, I think that we would have probably had a longer process of a Democratic, um, you know, uh, primary. But I think the one thing that's also interesting, Bill, is let's not uh, lose fact that this important day uh, for the convention is really strategic. And, you know, there's a group of people who have been working for months now putting together sort of a virtual convention. And so there's a team of people that have been work working very hard. Many of them are my friends. But let's not lose the fact that Bernie Sanders, Senator Bernie Sanders, is speaking tonight. And that's very important because we all know in 2016 it was a different posture, a different feeling going into that convention. The Biden campaign really, really wanted to make sure that everyone who supported the progressive movement of Senator Sanders, someone who was battling during this whole primary process, not only is his agenda and his policies are being heard and adopted, you wanted to give him that opportunity to speak on the first night to just eliminate any possible dissension, any talks of, you know, dissension amongst the Bernie people versus the people who support Biden. So I thought that was very important for the convention staff to uh, allow Senator uh, Bernie Sanders to speak on the very first night. I think that's, uh, yeah, the, the, thank you for bringing us back to Bernie Sanders. Uh, Beth, I'm curious, uh, it's what Theron says, of course, is crucial to how the week goes for Democrats. Do the uh, prog the real progressives like Sanders uh, come together as with as much enthusiasm as the as the more main more moderate wing of the party, which Biden has always uh, represented. But but for instance, Beth, um, Vincent Fort uh, tweeted uh, just recently that although he's going to support Joe Biden, he voted against as a delegate the uh, platform of the party because it doesn't include a Medicare for all provision. So we see there 
the little bit of tension with a Vincent Ford saying, yeah, I'm going to support Biden, but we're not yet progressive enough. Beth? If voters want to make sure that every American has access to affordable health care or health care coverage, they should vote Democrat up and down the ballot. Full stop. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's less about the policy and more about the intention. And the policy will work itself out through the legislative process. You know, the president has the power to propose legislation, but it's the House and the Senate that actually gets that done. And the Democratic Party is heading in the right direction on this. Mayor Davis, I, I, go ahead, Mayor Davis. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Representative Moore. I think that the, the overarching theme of this convention is United America. And as Theron indicated, to have Senator Bernie Sanders uh, on the ticket as one of the initial speakers coming right out of the gate. Uh, you can see that coalescing taking place uh, today. Uh, this is about not only uniting America, but bringing good Americans from all across this country, uh, Muslims, Africans, Asians, Latins, blacks, whites together, uh, who want to see an America uh, revive its soul, uh, a, a country where people want to come together collectively across uh, public policy issues and the challenges associated with that. And so I think this is, again, a tremendous step. Uh, this is VP Biden's vision to lead us out of this Trump debacle that we've seen for the last three and a half, four years. And so we're going to see that happen uh, right out of the gate with the conversations, with the caucus meetings, uh, with the speakers. Everyone's going to have that rallying cry around uniting America and doing that in a tangible way. Hey, um, let, me, let me jump in here with a question for Theron, if I could. Uh, uh, Theron, I, I, was at the, I was at the 2016 uh, uh, Democratic Convention in Philadelphia. Bill was too. And, and of course, the, 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 in this gathering, you, you had all the Sanders protesters being very visible and, and very active, uh, you know, taking control of, uh, of uh, I think, the media, the media center at, at, at one point. Is, is this kind of a, an advantage of a virtual convention where there are, there are things that we do not see and that are not available to the camera? Well, yeah, Jim, you're absolutely right. And that's kind of where I was going uh, with my comments, that this um, convention just has a different feeling. As Mayor Davis just said, it's all about uniting America. It's about restoring the, the soul of this nation. And so... While I do believe that you still have a lot of people who supports the progressive agenda of Senator Sanders, you know this, Jim, and all it takes is one click of a mouse to go on social media to, to say something or to, or to do something uh, that may cause a little bit of a controversy. But I can tell you, I just don't feel it this year. I'm telling you, we're all united, Jim, to beat Donald Trump in November. And so while, again, I think those folks uh, like Senator Ford and others have the right to voice their opinions. You know, we're the Democratic Party. We believe in a big tent, letting everyone have the freedom to speak their minds uh, and what they feel. But it's just a different feeling. We're united. We're fired up. And I just think that you're going to see a united ticket, a united uh, group of Democrats coming together all this week. All right, Theron, while the ball's in your hands, let me throw out another question at you, though. In your role as senior advisor to the campaign here in the state of Georgia, um, I think so. Stacey Abrams, I think, proved in 2018 that in fact Georgia, can, she you can 
uh, perform incredibly well with voters with a more progressive agenda than Democrats in this state in previous years had been willing to uh, promote. So she proved that. The question is, though, Theron, uh, can will Georgia Democrats watch Bernie Sanders tonight? Uh, now he's going to temper his message, obviously, in the best interest of um, the uh, the party in general. But uh, is he a little bit too far to the left for Georgia Democrats? And by the way, before you answer that question, I want to thank Jim Galloway. Galloway is off covering some convention business. Jim, we'll see you again on the show later in the week. Thanks for being here today. Theron, before we take a break, could you address that question? Yeah, listen, again, Jim, we, we're in Georgia. Um, we have a very strict strategy in place. And there's people like Representative Moore and all the work that she's doing in the legislature. She's in a very uh, interesting part of our state, which we're going to depend on her and her network to make sure that we tap into it. I wouldn't dare go to Augusta. And Mayor Davis knows this. I've cut my teeth in the gust of politics uh, when he first ran back in early 2000 and make sure we activate the networks. And what I mean by that, Jim, is to make sure I'm sorry, Bill, is to make sure that we, we, we let the progressive agenda be heard. Um, but we all got one goal. And then it's we got to win. And I truly believe, as you mentioned before, what we saw in 2018 by leader Stacey Abrams is something that we're going to build upon. Uh, and I think we just figuring out how do we do it in sort of this new norm um, with this virtual sort of uh, strategy we're going to put in place. But ultimately, we're going to be united in Georgia, and I think we got a great strategy. All right, I've got to get to the first break in the show. Uh, before I do, very quick announcement. On this show, as, as recently as just last Friday, we talked about the fact that at that point, Stacey Abrams uh, didn't have a place on the, the program that we were aware of. We knew that Sally Yates was going to speak. She'll be there tomorrow night. We know that uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has a big role to play uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Democrat, uh, the Democratic National Committee did announce that uh, Stacey Abrams and uh, Representative Sam Park from Lawrenceville, a, a Korean-American uh, state representative, will both be part of a keynote uh, uh, speech that's going to take a very different form. 18 young leaders of the Democratic Party, at least that the DNC is identified as young leaders, will share uh, this keynote speech tomorrow night. So Georgia will be pretty well represented as the convention moves forward. All right, let's get a break out of the way. Come back with more on this special edition of Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. We're back with Political Rewind, our special edition. Uh, all this week, we'll be covering uh, the Democratic National Convention, talking to delegates, as we are today, talking to special party leaders tomorrow, uh, former Virginia governor, former DNC chair, and a man speculated to have uh, been a possible candidate for president when the 2020 cycle was just getting going. Terry McAuliffe will be with us on Wednesday. Senator Debbie Stabenow 
will be here to talk with us. We're also going to be talking to former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack, uh, who was Secretary of Agriculture uh, during the Obama administration. So we're going to be talking to some of the Democratic Party stars and the most important people to us here in Georgia, our delegation, uh, as it moves forward. With that in mind, Mayor Hardy Davis, uh, Democrat of Augusta, is with us, delegate to this year's convention. So is Representative Beth Moore of Peachtree Corners and Georgia's senior advisor to the Biden campaign, Theron Johnson, also here as well. One other quick note, um, the Trump campaign is not going to let this week go without getting its own messaging across. Uh, We already know that the president plans to travel to uh, Wisconsin, uh, where Democrats are not gathering in Milwaukee, and to Minnesota later in the week to uh, have events. Uh, But we have just learned that uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, there is going to be a press call between uh, Governor Kemp, uh, the Trump victory team, and GOP State Chairman David Schaefer to discuss uh, their side of the campaign as it unfolds. Our Stephen Fowler is going to cover that, and uh, GPB Radio News will bring you uh, highlights of what they have to say, and we'll, we'll share some of that with you on tomorrow's show as well. All right, um, let's move forward if we can. Um, Mayor Davis, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that John Kasich, former governor of Ohio, Republican, who was an early candidate for president in 2016, is going to be speaking tonight. He sent out a tweet explaining why he's speaking. He said, I will be speaking at the DNC convention because I believe that America needs to go in a different direction. I've searched my conscience, and I believe the best way forward is for change, to bring unity where there's been division, and to bring about a healing in America. Uh, The question about that, Mayor uh, Davis, is, and this is speculation, there is some polling, but not much. Are there persuadable Republicans out there uh, who, who are turning against President Trump for various reasons? There aren't a lot of uh, undecided voters, according to most polling. So what could the Kasich impact be? Well, I think when you've got uh, people of goodwill, and uh, John Kasich is certainly someone of goodwill, uh, when you look at uh, this election, once again, it is about we the people. And when we talk about we the people, uh, it's people from all walks of life. Uh, I think you've heard it best uh, from uh, Kasich that this is an opportunity for people, uh, Republicans, independents, and without question, Democrats, to come together uh, and bring America back to a place of where it's we the people and not a dictator uh, leading our nation, not an authoritarian leading our nation. And so uh, that's what this election is about, and I think that's what uh, Kasich hopes to do uh, in his speech, but more importantly in bringing others to this conversation about how do we get America back on track uh, in terms of uh, not only the economy, but right now dealing with this pandemic in a coordinated way and using the levers of power from Washington to be able to do that in a coordinated way, which we still to this very day have not seen uh, in a substantial way. And so that's what I'm hoping comes from that conversation. I think without question, as I talk to my friends here in Augusta, across the state of Georgia, and certainly other mayors across this country, there's an angst that people have uh, when it comes to the, the specter of four more years of the Trump administration. And I think people 
of goodwill, uh, good Americans who, who care about this country, uh, who care about the issues of racism and injustice, who care about the fact that you've got some 30 plus million Americans who are without a job, who are not getting unemployment compensation today, and yet there's the debate about whether or not we should give them an additional $600. Uh, this is where it's going to be necessary for leadership to step up. And, and, and I'm appreciative that uh, Kasich is doing that. Um, Representative Beth Moore, and then I'd love your take on this too, Theron Johnson. Um, on the cusp of the Democratic National Convention, the Trump administration seems to have provided a new issue that Democrats are eager to take on and to propel forward in the uh, debates uh, that had, and I don't mean by that presidential debate, I mean as the campaign unfolds toward November, and that's the whole issue of the unraveling of the U.S. Postal Service. And and while the biggest emphasis has been on, as perhaps it should be, on whether or not it's going to uh, make mail-in voting, absentee voting, if it's going to cripple that process in the president's interest, which some Democrats would argue, it's also unraveling the Postal Service in a more general way. Uh, suddenly deliveries aren't being made on time. One of the most, the, the Pew, Pew research uh, showed not long ago that 91% of Americans have more confidence in the U.S. Postal Service than any other branch of, or any other government service. Uh, what is the, how is the Trump campaign playing into a scenario that Democrats are going to try to take advantage of moving forward? Bill, this whole issue with the United States Postal Service is an absolute mess. You know, it started with, you know, President Trump saying that mail-in voting is not safe while simultaneously supporting absentee uh, ballots. They're the same thing. <laughs> um, and they're delivered in large part by the United States Postal Service. Now, fortunately, in here in Georgia, including in my home county of Gwinnett, we have drop boxes. So I will be advocating that voters who choose to vote by mail, uh, otherwise known as absentee voting, should request that by mail. Um, once they receive it, they should put it into one of the drop boxes. Uh, generally speaking, I'll, I'll suggest that anything after a certain point in October that people not rely on the mail, but you know, consider doing in-person early voting or dropping their ballots off at the drop boxes or taking it straight to the elections office. Now, one of the interesting things about the United States Postal Service situation for me personally is that those who have been watching my activities over the past week or two know that I launched a school whistleblower effort for, uh, to allow a place for students, teachers, and administrators to report unsafe conditions in their schools as we return to face-to-face -face instruction. But one of the things I did not expect to happen was that I also have received whistleblower messages from people in the post office. <laughs> uh, apparently, they trust me with this confidential information not to reveal it and to safeguard their jobs. So that's one of the revelations that I will be publishing uh, in the coming days is I have photographic evidence that it is true that these multi-million dollar mail sorting machines are being dismantled and sold for parts. Well, we well want said. very much to stay on top of that. Uh, Theron, move, go ahead. 
No, I think I was about to say what you said, but but Bill, were you going to ask Representative Moore more about her whistleblower? Because I think that's very important for your listeners to. Well, yeah, but I, I think I, I would love for you to reveal what you're talking about, but I thought I heard you say, Representative Murray, you're not quite ready. My f- thought is, what the heck, you're on our show. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was contacted by a postal worker at a, um, at a postal facility here in Atlanta yeah. who saw that a letter sorting machine that they have been using on a daily basis to process you know mountains of mail um, that is critical to you know the mail delivery process. Just out of the blue, for absolutely no reason, uh, the manager of the facility announced that that um, that that machine would be decommissioned. Uh, and typically, when that happens, there's a reason for it. You know, they're getting a new machine, or um, you know, they there's just some explainable reason why a machine like that would be decommissioned. And, and we're not talking about something else in your living room. This thing, this is the mail sorting machine that takes up an entire warehouse. I mean, this thing costs millions upon millions of dollars uh, and it, it's critical. And so for the Postal Service to be dismantling mail at a time right now when we're entering into an election, when in the midst of a pandemic, we're expecting record high, um, you know, mail-in ballots this, this season. And Quite frankly, I, I, you know, the Postal Service is used by, as you mentioned earlier, uh, a plethora of other types of operations, whether it's related to business or delivery of uh, prescription drugs. You know, the, the, the mail, uh, the importance of the mail delivery, the, the United States Postal Service has never been more important now than it ever has been, which, by the way, I should also want to mention that the Postal Service is one of the few uh, federal services that is specifically mentioned in the Constitution, and we should all want mm. to protect it and safeguard it. And I just don't have faith that that President Trump is doing that. In fact, he has told us explicitly that his plan is to dismantle the post office to disrupt the election. I don't see how you can interpret that any other way than he's trying to cheat his way into a second term. All right, let, let's keep on this subject for a couple of minutes. Thank you for sharing that with us. We didn't know that uh, uh, that was going to happen on the show today. Mayor Davis, are you seeing, let's talk about this in two different ways. Um, first of all, we, we certainly know that there's been a lot of attention focused on what people believe is the president's effort to disrupt the Postal Service and, and therefore disrupt uh, balloting, absentee or early, or rather mail-in voting uh, in November. But but Beth Moore also just pointed out an issue that may have no partisan uh, affiliation at all. And that's that as this unfolds, I don't know about you, but my mail is getting delayed. Um, you know, mailing, you know, I, I'm suddenly not getting mail deliveries on some days. It's, it's two days before the mail shows up. Packages that are being sent to me through the Postal Service are not coming when they were anticipated to be there. Is this, are you seeing in the city of Augusta a similar situation unfolding? Yeah, we're, we're seeing the same thing. I think this is a coordinated effort uh, across the country in terms of what we're seeing with uh, postal uh, locations. Uh, when you look at not only that, but the closing of postal stations, that's been a conversation that's been going on for the last two years. I know the one that we've got, it's a main branch here in downtown Augusta. They've talked about moving those uh, operations outside of the state of Georgia. Uh, and so this is a tough challenge for us. My caution for us as Democrats, as we go through the convention this week and on the other side of it, is that 
Uh, what we're seeing out of Washington is kind of like a temper tantrum. All of these things are going to be thrown at us to uh, disrupt what we believe to be not only fair elections, but more importantly, people having access to cast their ballot uh, in a safe and secure way. And so we've got to be very conscious of those efforts uh, over the long haul, taking us through November. Uh, and on the other side of the convention, we'll have our VP nominee, we'll have our presidential nominee, and we've got to immediately get out in the, in the streets campaigning and, and, and rallying uh, Democrats from across this uh, country uh, to go out in advance of October and be prepared to cast their ballots and do that as early as possible. Uh, Theron, before we take a break, just to bring it back to Georgia again, uh, I would think here Republicans are going to have to explain to voters who are upset. Perhaps the top issue on their minds is not absentee balloting. Maybe it's why their meds didn't show up in the mail. Uh, It does seem to me that Republicans are going to have to try to make the case for why this is happening, and, and they're going to be on the defensive over this, don't you think? Absolutely. And if and if I got anything to do with it, I'm definitely going to make sure they're on the defense. I mean, if you just listen to what State Representative <laughs> Moore just explained to us, yep. if you look at what, you know, Mayor Davis is saying is going on in Augusta, I mean, we got to just say this, Bill. Donald Trump is going to do whatever he can. He will lie. He will cheat. He will steal to try to win this election. And this is just so confusing and so unfair to voters. And let's not also leave out the fact that he's also talking about withholding funding from the U.S. Postal Service. And so at a time where I just had a baby boy and and we were so fortunate to have so many people from all over the country send us gifts, um, I mean, we depend not only just to get our mail, but, you know, at the time where we're sheltered in place and getting through this new norm, uh, I just think this is going to backfire on the Trump administration. I think Democrats will definitely be able to capitalize on this. Uh, we should say the Postmaster General insists that he is not dismantling machines at this point, uh, although he does say it's part of a standard practice. Beth Moore says she has evidence that it's happening in any case. And uh, they insist that they are going to keep operations moving forward through the election before they do scale back more in the Postal Service. We'll see how that unfolds. All right, we got to get to our final break of the show. When we come back, uh, let's talk about the real uh, uh, headliner of tonight's convention Michelle Obama. You're listening to Political Rewind. We're beginning two weeks here on Political Rewind of coverage of the national political conventions. This week, it's the Democratic National Convention. And so you'll be hearing a lot from delegates to that convention. You'll be hearing about the speeches Uh, that are going to unfold throughout the week and the messaging that Democrats are going to try to get across. And next week, uh, Republicans will have their chance on this show to uh, talk about uh, their programs. We'll hear from their people as well. Uh, We have with us today State Representative Beth Moore, Peachtree Corner. She is a delegate to the Democratic Convention this year, and so is Mayor Hardy Davis of Augusta. I am grateful to both of you. Uh, Your caucus, first caucus meeting of the convention, Georgia, a delegation meeting just began, and you're very nice to stay with us, and you'll join that a little late. We're also joined by a senior advisor to the Biden campaign here in Georgia, Theron Johnson, who uh, not only uh, are we always glad when we have him on Political Rewind, but of course you'll see him every week on uh, Fox 5, uh, where he is a regular panelist on on uh, uh, 
I can't believe I'm blocking the name of your show. It's one of the longest running Georgia shows Gang. in television, Theron. Georgia <laughs> Gang, of course. I I used I was on that show when it was at WSB TV way be, when you were probably just a baby, Theron. Absolutely. And Bill, <laughs> listen, we're gonna talk to Lori. I want to bring you back one day in my place. So we're gonna get you back on. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Let's talk about, I think, the real headliner of tonight's uh, convention. Michelle Obama routinely shows up, Mayor Davis, as one of the most admired women in the world. Uh, she, her popularity exceeds uh, just about any other, pol- any other political uh, leader we know of. So it's going to be interesting, of course, to hear from her tonight. Um, but it's also important to hear from her, I think, to, and to point out that she began a nonpartisan voting initiative called uh, When We All Vote, which she actually started back before the 2018 midterm elections, and they're continuing their work of trying to get people to turn out to vote. An interesting conversation, given what we just talked about in terms of mail-in balloting. Um, how, how, what do you think about hearing from Michelle Obama tonight, Mayor Davis? You're looking forward to that, I assume. I'm, I'm extremely excited about having First Lady Michelle Obama uh, speak tonight. Uh, she, again, uh, is America's most admired woman here in 2020. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be one of 31 uh, founding mayors uh, to join uh, Michelle Obama and Ms. Valerie Rogeret, uh in Civic City's effort when we all vote. Uh, 31 bipartisan mayors from across the country to include uh, my good friend and sister, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, as well. And so when you look at how important this election is uh, to have uh, First Lady Michelle Obama speaking to the issues, uh, I, I remember so well, and I know everyone on this call remembers, uh, when they go low, uh, we go high. And this is a moment for America to come high once again. I think with the uh, administration, with the ticket of uh, Vice President Biden, Senator Kamala Harris, This is an opportunity for America to go high once again. When you look at the first, you know, black Asian American, uh, when you look at the first African-American woman to be uh, on the ticket uh, as a vice presidential nominee, uh, this is a bellwether moment for America. This is a bellwether for young women of color, uh, young women in general. This is that moment in time in our nation's history where we've got a unique opportunity to have people's voices heard who have carried the day for so many Democrats, uh, including myself. Uh, I'm equally proud that we just elected two women to the Augusta Commission who will be there serving at the same time. So this is that moment in our nation's history and state history and our local history where uh, someone like Michelle Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, speaking to these issues is going to be paramount to our success. Uh, uh, Beth Moore, uh, here's a quote from Michelle Obama in terms of the uh, her voting coalition, which Hardy Davis is a part of. Uh, she said this in late spring, uh, but it's still relevant today. Already in state and local elections, we've seen voters forced to choose between protecting their health and making their voices heard, and that's absolutely not acceptable. Uh, she went on to say that we have to make sure that the health and economic crisis of the pandemic quote, doesn't turn into a crisis of democracy, uh, too. It won't be surprising if that's part of her message tonight, uh, Representative Moore. 
Absolutely. I'm so excited to watch former First Lady Michelle Obama speak tonight. You know, she's just the perfect embodiment of what the Democratic Party stands for, especially at this moment. You know, I, I truly do believe that uh, the Democratic Party is seeing a resurgence in um, in women running for office under the Democratic ticket. You know, even as a state house legislator here in Georgia, the uh, the Georgia House Democratic Caucus is proudly women majority. <laughs> a lot of the new Democratic candidates running in competitive seats are women. Uh, and uh, the Georgia House Democratic Caucus is also um, is, is also majority minority. So to, to use Michelle Obama as the perfect example of what we stand for and having her um, be the keynote speaker tonight is just an, a perfect way to kick off the first day of the convention. Theron, of course, we should remind people that in the uh, Obama reelection campaign, you were an advisor uh, for the campaign in the Southeast. Uh, and so you have an affinity, a special, I think, affinity for both of the Obamas. I, I do. And, you know, as, as Mayor Davis said and Representative Moore um, expressed, she's the perfect person, again, to set the tone. Still, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, I, I'm not been fortunate enough to be elected like Mayor Davis and Representative Moore, but I have worked on a lot of campaigns. And I tell you, you want to start this convention off right. You want it to be very positive. You want it to be sort of going into the heart of the soul of America. And what better person to really bring us together and to speak in such a very powerful way about someone who's actually been in the White House and who knows what we need to do in order to retain the White House. And so I think Former First Lady Michelle Obama is going to tear the house down tonight. I, mean, I think she's going to get everyone fired up, and it's just going to be the first day. So everyone needs to buckle their seatbelt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, but it's going to be a great week for Democrats. All right, but here's what's going to be fascinating about watching tonight and to see how Democrats do. And Beth Moore, since you're an attorney who works in the entertainment field uh, uh, quite a bit, I want to get your take on this. We have no idea how a virtual... Theron said an interesting thing. She's going to bring the House down, but there is no House. She's going to be speaking uh, virtually. There's not going to be an audience there, a live audience. This is... The Democrats are going to be the first to test how much excitement you can generate in the strange context we're working in today. Beth Moore? You know, the entertainment industry is really going through an upheaval right now. And, you know, um, music venues were some of the first businesses to have to shut down. And, and still to this day, the music industry has not returned to its normal self. You know, lots of festivals, concert venues are already planning not to reopen until 2021. And some, and, and some are choosing to stay closed until 2022. So we have to come up with alternative ways to enjoy art together, to experience music together. So whether it's in person or virtual, I, I welcome it. Uh, the slate of artists that they've chosen to present this week are, are phenomenal, including um, including Billie Eilish, you know, she's um, and uh, Leon Bridges. I mean, they, they picked some really great musical artists to kick off the Democratic convention. I'm excited about it. Let's Hardy Davis, you got about 20 seconds to make a comment here. What's incredible about this bill is the fact that in 57 states and U.S. territories, people who may not have ever come to the convention, it will be front and center for them. As Theron said, Michelle Obama is going to bring the house down, and it's literally going to be in your house. 
Mayor thank Hardy you, Mayor. Davis of Augusta, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Representative Beth Moore, thank you. Theron Johnson, we appreciate your being here as well. Uh, we'll be watching the convention with a lot of you and bringing you highlights of the first night on tomorrow's Political Rewind. In the meantime, take care and please stay healthy. See you all tomorrow.